You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh, Father, we thank you that your love will not let us go, and we ask that you would send your spirit now to preach to us, that you would show us our need for Jesus, and that you give him to us. Amen. There are really only a few passages of scripture that can function as a one-line summary of the whole Bible. John 3.16 is the most famous for sure, and I bet right now you're picturing what I'm picturing. Some dude in an end zone holding up a sign. For God so loved the world, right? There's really no other rival for John 3.16 as the verse that summarizes the message of scripture in one short zinger. But Romans 8.1 comes close, and in my opinion, if you're looking for a one-stop shop verse, Romans 8.1 is actually better. Romans 8.1 is a thunderbolt. Unlike John 3.16, Romans 8.1 seems to have even more electricity because this thunderbolt from heaven goes all the way down to touch the source point of the vast majority of pain and dysfunction that every human being has and every society has and every culture has. I know that's a tall order, but here's what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation. There's not one human being that doesn't feel it. This is a crazy thought. But if you were to get really honest with yourself, if you were to really plumb the depths of your soul about why you do a bunch of the things that you do, both good and bad, chances are condemnation is underneath the hood, the great engine driving all your well-meaning and sometimes frenetic activity. But condemnation sounds, I don't know, a little bit too abstract. So let's give it a personality and a voice. Condemnation The engine that drives so much of human behavior is the voice inside your head that says, not good enough. I was looking through Instagram this week, which is always a dangerous thing to do, and I saw an ad for men's health, and on the picture was a male body chiseled to perfection, massive chest, great round boulder shoulders, Rippling abs with zero gut bulge. And so what did I do? I headed to the mirror. I took a look at myself. You're not looking so good, Zach. And so the next day, I'm in the gym, hitting it hard. And I'm sure everybody's looking at me like, ooh, that guy's getting it. I wonder what gives him his drive. He must be really committed to his health. No, I'm committed to running fast and hard against condemnation. The voice that says, not good enough? Or why is it that I can't stand to watch Outdaughtered on TLC with my wife and my daughter? It's because Adam, the husband of of one wife and a dad of six children, is infinitely nicer and more patient and more gentle than I am. Condemnation, not good enough. Selfies condemn us. It's why we have to take eight of them because we're searching for the angle that doesn't best suit who we really are with our large forehead and double chin, but who we want to be. The small business owner whose business is failing right now, or the person who's lost their job during COVID, you want to desperately say, it's just COVID and it's not my fault, but you can't escape the voice. I probably could have done something, made a different move, 
made a different decision six months ago that would have kept me from this mess. Condemnation, not good enough. The teenage girl that's buried in her room in a pile of tears because she's just found out that the boys at school have been passing around pictures of her. What is she ultimately devastated by? And what will motivate whatever her next step is, whether it's revenge or a total meltdown? Condemnation. Not good enough. It's what every divorced person feels from their ex and from the watching world. It's what underperforming grown children of well-known upstanding families in Birmingham feel. Salary, not good enough. Lifestyle, not up to the standard. It's what teenagers feel when they're on the outs of the cool kids crowd. And it's what makes you order the Diet Coke and the skinny drink. It's what church administrators and pastors feel in making impossible decisions about when to gather during COVID season. You're being way too cautious and fearful, pastor. You're being way, way too careless, pastor. It's what the parents of kids with disabilities feel like every day. You haven't researched enough, advocated enough, spent enough. You could have done more. Have you noticed this dynamic at play in our conversations about race these days? The African-American community has rightly called out the white community here. When we, the white community, as well-meaning and right as we are, make statements of standing with the black community. I've seen some of my white friends post some powerful and eloquent words of solidarity. And I've seen some of my black friends rightly point out, bro, we need more than status updates. Sometimes it feels like you're not doing that for us. It feels like you're doing that to make yourself feel better. And whether or not those individual moments and statements are true, I don't even want to debate that, uh, but they're putting their finger on something. As a white man, I'm driven to speak out, not so much because of some virtue in me that desires to seek justice, but because I feel guilty that I haven't sought it, that my silence has been a kind of complicity in the ongoing injustice in our country And so I'm motivated to speak out, not because of virtue, but because I'm trying desperately hard to get out from under the condemnation that I feel. Maybe even a condemnation that's justified. Living under the pressure of all these condemnations is maddening. It produces anxiety and it pressurizes everything that we do. Do you see how much condemnation drives the way that we decide things, the way that we act and react It would be a great exercise when we're in a stressful, anxious situation to ask ourselves how much of our own reactivity in that moment is in response to some kind of condemnation that we feel from somewhere. This pressurized, stressful existence is precisely what Paul is describing about his own life in Romans 7 leading up to our verse. It's kind of like he's saying, I know what the right thing to do is and I just can't seem to do it. And I end up doing the very thing that I hate. I can't live up to it. It's too much to ask of me. Former Dean Paul Zoll, in his amazing short book, Who Will Deliver Us, says that this condition is like a vice. A vice is a tool that has two arms that can, with the power of a screw, slowly come together to cramp and clamp and compress whatever is in them. 
And every human being, he says, is in a vice. The pressure of the first arm is what I want and what I need. And the pressure of the other arm is what I ought to be doing. Stress and pain in our lives inevitably come when what I want and what I need is met with what I ought to be doing. We know we can't get rid of our needs and probably many of our wants. That's pretty fixed. That's part of, well, being human. So our day-to-day struggle tends to be with the other arm. To bring together what we've been saying just a second ago. Our struggle with universal condemnation, our struggle with the voice that says you're not good enough, is our struggle with the second arm of the vice. And Paul asks at the end of Romans 7, that great description of the vice life that we're all in, who shall deliver us from this body of death? And when he does that, he's asking, is there any way out of this death vice? And the thunderbolt of Romans 8.1 is the answer. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul is declaring to us news that is so good that we all fight believing it's true. But the shocking statement is that in Christ, the arm of the vice that says not good enough hasn't just been kind of bent open a little, not just unscrewed a little bit. It has been shattered. There is therefore now No condemnation. Now, how do we tie this pretty amazing word to all the other real circumstances we've been talking about? To all those micro-condemnations and macro-condemnations that squeeze us and stress us. In other words, how does this thunderbolt announcement actually touch the ground in a tangible way in my life so that it makes a difference in the stresses and the pains and the chronic suffering? To answer this, I want to use the metaphor of fire. It's an idea that the Bible uses, especially when talking about that eternally uncomfortable subject that modern people often laugh at, but Jesus Christ, the creator of the world and its scientific principles, actually took really seriously. We're talking about hell. When we're talking about all these condemnations we feel, whether the chiseled body or the failing business, or failed parenting. We're experiencing, when we're experiencing the the many fires of, of condemnation, what we're experiencing is that they're nipping at us. They're close by and we feel their heat pressing in. Some fires are big, some fires are small, but they're all around us. And the scriptures affirm this, that all those fires around us have a common source. They were brought near by embers floating from a far away but inevitable conflagration, which is the ultimate flame to which all other flames that burn us in our own lives owe their ancestry. We're talking about the flames of hell. We're talking about the ultimate judgment, the ultimate condemnation of God. The scriptures tell us that all those fires of not good enoughness are echoes of a final verdict waiting for us when we die and we stand before God. Whether we know it or not, and surprisingly whether or not we're a Christian and a believer in Christ, what really haunts us, what is most deeply soul-troubling about every voice of condemnation in our lives, is that the God who created you, 
the only one whose opinion of you really matters, shares that perspective with all those voices of condemnation because he knows your heart better than you do. That the all-seeing God is very aware that you're not good enough and that he's keeping accurate records and that he will deliver to you that same verdict that all these other condemnations have delivered to you. Not good enough. In other words, and this is such an unpopular thought, that the fires burning around you really are from the same source of that ultimate fire that you and I are headed toward, our final judgment before a God who is good, but also holy and just. And into all those fears and fear-filled echoes comes a word too good to be true. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus. I suspect some of you have heard this illustration of Paul Zoll before, but it's too good not to share. There was a duck hunter who was hunting with his friend in a wide open barren land in southeastern Georgia. Far away on the horizon, he noticed a cloud of smoke. Soon he could hear the sound of crackling. A wind came up and he realized the terrible truth. A brush fire was advancing his way. It was moving so fast that he and his friend could not outrun it. The hunter began to rifle through his pockets. He emptied all the contents of his knapsack. He soon found what he was looking for, a book of matches. To his friend's amazement, he pulled out a match and he struck it. And he lit a small fire around the two of them. Soon... They were standing in a circle of blackened earth, waiting for the fire to come. And they didn't have to wait for long. They covered their mouths with handkerchiefs and braced themselves. The fire came near and swept over them, but they were completely unhurt. They weren't even touched. Fire would not pass where the fire had already passed. Condemnation in our lives is like the brush fire. You can't escape it. But if you stand in the burn-over place where condemnation has already burned its way through, then you will not be hurt. Not a hair on your head will be singed. Sisters and brothers, hear me clearly. The death of Jesus Christ is the burned-over place. At the cross, God made Jesus, who knew no condemnation, to be condemnation for you, so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. When Christ was condemned on the cross, he received every last drop of judgment that God had. And as a result, there is none left for you. And that's what Jesus meant when he said from the cross, It is finished. What is finished? Your future final judgment. That day when you stand before God was completed when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The fires of hell have burned over our Lord. It's what we mean ultimately when we testify in the creed, he descended into hell. The fires of hell have burned over our Lord in such a way that a vice-gripped sinner like me and like you says, who says, Jesus I'm nothing without you. Be my everything. When you say something like that, you end up finding yourself 
in that very place, in Christ, in the burned over place. And so how does this all address the many, many condemnations and big condemnations in your life present with you now and in my life present with me now? Those flames, real as they are for now, hot as they are for now, can't ultimately burn you. You're in the burned over place. You're actually free to acknowledge that the flames are real, that the condemnation is real. I don't have a perfect body. I'm not an ideal spouse. I am a hard person to love. I am trying to make myself feel better by all my social media virtue signaling. I will make bad decisions. All these things are true. But I also know something else that is equally true. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I stand in the burned over place, never to be burned again, because Jesus loves me and has given himself for me. There's so much freedom to be found in the burned over place. So much joy, so much peace, so much hope, so much future, and so much present. It actually gives you the kind of unburdened freedom to walk faithfully, the path of discipleship and following Jesus. It actually affords the kind of unshackled joy that allows you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's a grand mystery that confounds the wisdom of this age. Nothing else works like this, the grace of our Lord. And so come to Christ again today, O weary one, and take up your much-needed rest. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.